Blog Talk Radio. Uh, Indianapolis defense to have, you know, a player like Quail Mack? 
I would do that in a second. Uh, he would bring so much to that team, especially the way their defense is set up now where they're going to be trying to attack the passer. Absolutely, in a second, heartbeat, yes. Yeah, I can't argue you there. You know, that's, that's something that even the Niners, you know, I know we have Fred Warner, we have Ruben Foster and whatnot. We get, you know, better in our middle linebacker, you know, position. But even, you know, our team, I don't think there's anyone else, you know, that would really turn down an opportunity to get Khalil Mack. You know, if you have the assets, if you have the available, you know, um, you know, draft stock, go ahead and get a freaking you know, generational player like that. They could absolutely take your team to the next level. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, yeah, just a game changer, totally. Now, um, on the offense side of the ball, we have poor Ronald Jones, who has just been awful. He, he, here's a guy who can't catch the ball. He, he never really could catch the ball. But they thought he was going to be this solid runner. Now, it's only preseason. He's a rookie. There's a lot of changes that he needs to get accustomed to. I'll give him that. But he's, you know, <laughs> bad and bad are, is really bad. And he's really bad. For instance, 28 times he's rushed the ball. You know how many yards he's gotten? Can you, can you guess how many yards he's gotten, Nico? Oh, it's got to be bad. Uh, give me, give me, uh, give me thirty picks, thirty yards. Did you did you say thirty yards? Uh, that's a thirty-six. Thirty-six, close, but wrong. Oh. He's gotten he's gotten out of twenty-two carries, and thirty-six is bad. Twenty-two yards. Yikes! Good lord, going backwards. <laughs> He hasn't earned a yard per carry. Um, so, I mean, wow. I, what do you do with that? Obviously, Peyton Barber is going to be huge until he can get his act together. Uh, Jacques Rogers will probably be the third down back. But, wow. Um, did the Bucks really swing and miss on this guy? Or do you think it's just some getting to the playbook and – and rookie jitters and understanding all that kind of stuff. You know what, Mike? I really didn't understand the pick, to be honest. I thought they reached for him. You know, he was he went to USC, if I'm not mistaken, right? Um, he is just, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, he didn't really he, he showed you know glimpses of being a future star, and he showed these flashes, but. You know, when you're playing in a Pac-12 offense, you know, a lot of times you can look good, you know. But when he's asked to pass block or catch the ball in the backfield, he looks horrendous. Uh, and it's something um, even the coach um, – I always mess up his name, but the coach for Tampa Bay, uh, he was talking about, like, you know, there's a reason they didn't throw to him that much in college. Ouch. You know, if, you're, if your coach is being that blunt and honest about you, A, it shows that they expect more out of you so they care. But, B, that shows, dude, you better get your head out of your ass real quick because that's just – you know, if you can't block, you can't catch, and the coach is calling you out, you know, to media members, that's just showing you that, hey, you know, this guy, this guy needs to understand this is not USC. This is the NFL. This is where the best of the best come, and if you do not give the best of the best, you know, effort or, you know, opportunity and learning, you're not going to be anywhere uh, for that long. So, you know, he did have a high draft uh, squad. So, but the Bucks always draft these players weirdly, right? They drafted him. They drafted Robert Aguayo, the kicker, uh, second round right. overall, like two years ago or whatnot. And they cut him right away after he was god awful. Just, just weird. I don't know. They're, I don't really get the front brass. I don't understand it. Maybe it's the too much of the cannon smoke blowing around that the owners are sniffing. You know, maybe the <laughs> the loud sounds, the loud, the loud explosion of you know 
every touchdown, every once in a while, kind of, you know, jostles their brain a little too much. Who knows? So I'm very confused with their front office. And you, you know what's interesting, too, is that both both picks, Ronald Jones and Roberto Aguayo, were, were second-round choices. Uh, even worse for Aguayo is that um, they traded up to get him. So... Um, right, and that's yeah. like the highest. That's like the highest the kicker's ever been drafted, or is there something ridiculous like that? Yeah, well, I think Janikowski is one of he because he was drafted in the first round by the Raiders. Um, but yeah, pretty much one of the highest uh, kickers ever drafted for sure. Ridiculous. Totally. Um, now, good news for all those Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, he's coming off the pup today, so I don't know if they've already made that announcement or not. But he's going to clear and won't be listed on the pup come tomorrow, which means that he'd have to miss the six games. So um, he, uh, Adam Sheffer reported uh, that Jeffrey will miss at least two games, but there only being a chance that he returns in week three. So look for him coming week three, which you know is. Eh. Someone that, you know, is more as a starter for most of your teams coming in, missing only a couple of weeks, maybe three, is, is not too bad. But we'll see what happens. So that's pretty much for the news. What uh, let, Let's talk about draft strategy since it's pretty much getting near that time. I mean, we only have less than a week remaining until the NFL kicks off and no more drafts. What, talk to me a little bit about some of your favorite strategies. Yeah, Mike, uh, I think the first thing that everyone needs to keep in uh, mind is be flexible. Uh, you have to take the best available players for at least the first two rounds or the first three rounds, and then you can start dropping by position need. But, you know, you want to be able to – you don't want to, you know, make any crazy, you know, sleeper picks for the second round or whatnot. But, you know, so, for instance, for me, Mike, I'm in a 10-man league that I just drafted last week or, excuse me, this past Wednesday. Oh, my goodness, just past Tuesday. Yeah. So the past Tuesday, I had my 10-man KPR draft, and it was a snake draft, and I was drafted fourth overall. So with my fourth pick, I took Antonio Brown. I know it's a little early to take the wide receiver, but it's PPR, and I didn't feel uncomfortable like taking Jamin Johnson back-to-back years after he did the dirty last year. And then on the flip side, I was going to take another running back, but all the top-tier running backs were off the board. I signed the snake draft to get back to my pick, so I ended up taking Keenan Allen, another wide receiver one, out of San Diego. Uh, so, you know, it just, you have to be flexible, right? These certain things. I wanted to drop a tight end in round three, and instead I had to take Tarek McKinnon, the running back from the 49ers. Usually I advise against taking players on your own team because you drink, you know, you rank them a little higher than normal. But, you know, for me, I couldn't go the first three rounds without a running back and, you know, just get totally left stranded. And then, Mike, I, I had a stretch. I took Aaron Rodgers in the round four. Um, you know, I know he's a normal round four guy, but it was a 10-man PPR, so – you know, you would expect to see a few more wide receivers go, but certain things like that, you just need to be flexible. You know, I had my guys that are eye on uh, Jimmy Graham, for instance. I wanted to double down on Aaron Rodgers, so I took Jimmy Graham earlier than I would in most drafts. Um, just certain things where I kind of was reading the draft, I was reading the way my buddies were drafting, the way they were, you know, overvaluing certain running backs and whatnot. Uh, I, I was able to get Marlon Mack pretty late. Uh, I know you'd like that pick. I was able to get – um, oh, yeah. let's see, I took Des Bryant super late. You know, he's a guy that could come out and be a, a big factor in the second part of the season for fantasy football. Um, so, you know, it's just, like I said, Mike, it's all about, you know, adapting and just having a 
uh, having an open, you know, mind when it comes to the draft. Now, are you pretty pleased with your team? I know we just are, we're almost done with our draft that you and I are in. We have about one more, one more round, I believe. I just drafted my defense. Um, but, you know, are you pretty happy with that, how that's worked? And, you know, do you have any other strategies from that draft or other drafts you'd like to share with our listeners as we prepare for our draft season? Yeah, you know, um, I I do sort of like my team, but every time I I like my team, it usually ends up not as not as good as as much as I like them. So we'll see about that. Uh, <laughs> I you know the 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 two rules that I sort of go by is number one, have always have a plan B and a plan C because if you're stuck on a plan A and plan A is say. Alvin Kamara with the fourth pick and someone picks Alvin Kamara at pick number three, then it sort of causes a stress and a fear in, in an owner. I've been there before. So I know I've learned from experience. It's, it's okay. What do I do now? Who do I pick? How, you know, what's available. And with, with that sort of anxiousness, then you're probably going to end up picking someone that you're not going to want to pick. So, what I do is say, okay, if Alvin Kamara is picked before my, my turn is up, then who would be my next player? And if that player is picked, say, at number one, then who is my plan C? So I always have at least two backup plans prior to making a draft choice in case that player is picked. And, I, and I'll do that through the draft. I'll, I'll fifth round, whatever. I'm looking at this player and in case he gets picked right before I'm my turn, I'm going to go with either this guy or this guy. So it's just one of those things where you, you have to always be planning because you don't want to be that person that is anxious about whoever, even if it's in the ninth round and you pick someone wrong, then that, you know, has 14th round value. You're, you're going to screw up your team. So, I always say have a plan, work that plan. My next, my next thing is always be flexible. Um, and that comes with the plan always, you know, not being so hard, hardcore on, on who you're going to pick. Always, always just be okay. Well, that went, you know, that's okay. Not a problem. I'll just go somewhere else. And then the biggest, I think the biggest thing that a lot of people miss is knowing your rules. How do you score points? How are the rosters structured? Just infinite details and getting in there with a fine-tooth comb and figuring out what the rules say and what they mean. Because if you don't understand the point system, if you don't understand how the rosters are structured, then you're going to pick three wide receivers and, you know, four to five are required. Well, guess what? You're, You're in trouble now. So those two things, you know, you, you definitely don't want to be stuck with those. And I think after that, then it's pretty much comes down to lock and the waiver wire. Yeah, definitely. And it's crazy. And the waiver wire, you know, that's going to make or break your season. A lot of people, you know, underestimate the waiver wire. But if you're, you know, checking the news and you're checking the you know, the stock and the rising and the thinking of certain players or, you know, someone has a bad training camp or someone has, you know, something weak coming into the, you know, the season, you always got to be ready to make adjustments and, you know, kind of adapt. You know, I drafted Aaron Jones in our league just, you know, hoping, okay, 
you know, he'll come back from a suspension. He's going to be the most talented running back on the Green Bay roster with Aaron Rodgers as his quarterback. So just certain things like that. Like, okay, you know, the first two games, I have this guy not not worried whatsoever, right? You have him totally okay getting zero points. But after that, maybe you start expecting him to you know, produce like a waiver wire pickup that you would hope takes you pretty far. So, yeah, I definitely agree with that. Mike, another thing I would say is check the injuries before the draft. Um, in my draft, oh, yeah. my best yeah. friends, we were we were drinking the whole time, but he did draft Marquise Lee in the uh, later rounds. Uh-oh. So Uh-oh. we were all just you know roasting him, and I actually I ended up naming the league uh, the league that drafted Marquise Lee. So don't uh, don't don't be don't be my buddy. Don't be George. Don't uh, don't do that and, and mess up and you know blindly just choose a guy at the end. Um, Mike, another thing I saw in the draft that kind of started to bother me was. My roommate, one of my best friends in the world, he took three tight ends. Uh, another one of my good buddies took three quarterbacks. Um, a lot of, you know, a lot of things where it's just, you know, in a PPR league where wide receivers are so valuable, I, I don't understand, you know, having two bench slots for a tight end or two bench slots for a wide, uh, for a quarterback when only one of them can play per week. If that makes sense, uh, you know. Granted, one of my friends he took Tom Brady and then Drew Brees and Blake Bortles. I don't know why I took Bortles, but anyway, uh, he's hoping, you know, that maybe, you know, Breeze or Brady, you know, one of them get him a good draft, you know, uh, a good trade return. I thought he drafted uh, Gronkowski for one tight end. He drafted Jordan Reed as another tight end. Then he drafted, um, I forgot who the third tight end was, but another, you know, total, you know, uh, boomer bust type player. But for me, you know, just, you have to hold those players on their bench. I mean, I felt guilty drafting Patrick Mahomes my last pick. Um, you know, I took defense and kicker a little bit earlier than I wanted to because a bunch of idiots were taking that high in my league. But, you know, even I, you know, taking Patrick Mahomes and, you know, pretty much giving him a bench spot for the first four weeks to see how he performs, even I felt guilty. So, you know, it, it's things like that, Mike, where I think you don't want to draft to trade them because if you're looking to trade before you even play them, you're not really doing a team a service, you know, for helping them win with the current team you have. Yeah, absolutely. I, I've i actually uh, done that strategy a couple of times, and each time either A, there was no trade, or B, um, a player got hurt. So it's, it's like, okay, why why assume or why, why assume somebody or another owner is going to want to trade for something that may never come around? And now you've wasted – a good spot on, you know, a third wide receiver or a third running back. Instead, you have Drew Brees, who's not going to play at all, like you said, because it's a one-quarterback roster spot. If it was two, then, okay, you maybe have something. But with one, what, where are you going with this? And it's, it, it, it never pans out. It's, it's, one of the, it's, it's a good idea in theory, I think, but it it's really doesn't execute very well. Yeah. I definitely agree with that. So, yeah, it's just all, all things to consider. You know, it's all going to be difficult. But uh, another thing I noticed, Mike, is a lot of good running backs late in the draft. Um, I think a lot of people focus on the good running backs early. Um, they kind of let the other running backs fall off. For instance, I was able, like I said, I got Marlon Mack pretty late. I got Chris Carson, the guy in, uh, up in Seattle who may be the starter for the first couple of weeks while they work back to Richard Penny. Um, who else I was able to get? I think I, I just missed out on getting C.J. Anderson, but he went like in the 14th round. I think he's going to get a lot of you know red zone opportunities in Carolina. So you have a lot of running backs that have a lot of upside and a lot of opportunities, and you know they're going late, late, late in the draft. So 
you know, those are players too, Mike, that I think you could, you know, take instead of, you know, freaking out like my buddies did and taking the Jacksonville defense in the 13th round. You know, yeah, you got the top defense, but that's the 13th round. You easily could have gotten, you know, a running back backup or, you know, a sleeper starter of a wide receiver that's going to give you more points on a weekly basis than the Jacksonville defense that, you know, now is going to have to be playing better teams because they made it so far last year. I think a lot of players, a lot of people too, Mike, you need to remember, a lot of people forget that if you're, if a team does well the year before and goes to the playoffs or, you know, has a good, you know, good season, they're going to get more primetime games against top quality uh, you know, opponents. So you're going to be playing a lot, uh, a lot better team. So yes, the Eagles are a highest flying team, but they're going to get, you know, a lot, a lot of tough teams. Yes. The Patriots are always going to be good, but they're going to be playing the top teams. The 49ers this year, they did really well last year to end the season, but now we're opening up in Minnesota and then we have to play a bunch, you know, Carolina, sorry, who else? We have to play a bunch of good teams to start the season. So just things like that to keep in mind. Yeah. Strength of schedule, um, as you're referring to is, is very important. Also, that wasn't very important. Um, <laughs> Touchdown. Uh, wow. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, so, um, strength of schedule is, is really important as far as using it as a guide for drafting, I think. Uh, and then, as you're, as you're touching on knowing the offenses and how well they're performing, what, what about Buffalo? Or how do you feel about them as far as an offense? Oh, boy. So, yesterday was a weird one. They had AJ – I don't know. I think it was yesterday. Whatever the Buffalo played last night. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was last night. Uh, AJ McCarron played the whole damn game, Mike. So, they pretty much didn't want to play uh, Josh Allen or Nathan Peterman in there. Now, remind, remind our listeners, Nathan Peterman last year had five interceptions in one game. I think it was like four and a half or four and a quarter. It was, it was absolutely atrocious. And then you had our boy Josh Allen, who, you know, playing against, you know, middle-tier Division One competition can barely, you know, per, uh, complete 50% of his passes. So, you know, the Buffalo situation is looking ugly. Uh, I know that a lot of people want to draft Sean McCoy because he's been a stud as of late. Or, sorry, he's been a stud in the past. But as of late, he's been declining steeply and uh, doesn't look like his situation is going to help him at all to see anything less than an eight- or nine-man front, you know, with how crappy their, uh, their offense's passing game is. Uh, so that's also difficult. Uh, Kelvin Benjamin also might, that could be a big, uh, target that a lot of people might want to reach for, but I think you should let him fall as long as possible and to only take him if you feel like it's a sin to pass him up. Like I did in our league where I was like, wow, Kelvin Benjamin, you know, this, I forgot it was like around 13 to 15 or something like that. I was like, okay, this way, you know, a number one receiver is going to get all the targets from a losing team. You know, I, I'm pretty sure he's going to be worth a, a gamble at this end. Yeah, uh, and, and I like that. I, uh, I like that pick just because at, during starting at that point, you're pretty much dart throwing wherever you can, and why not throw a dart throw to a number one receiver on the team and have some good upside? So, absolutely. Uh, those are the kind of players that I look for as well. You, you have to look for those that are in a good position, um, as far as you know, are they the number one receiver, or the number two receiver, um, and if they have upside. And, you know, I think Bel- Benjamin is someone that's like that. And, yeah, I definitely like that pick an awful lot. Yeah. Um, partner, another thing I was going to say, um, kind of a random thought here, but 
It seems to me that Odo Beckham Jr. and DeAndre Hopkins are going a lot lower than I think they should. I have them ranked pretty high on my list. So to see them falling into the second round or the, the very end of the first round uh, in these 12-man leagues, um, you know, it's kind of kind of surprising. Um, you know, so this is something, you know, a couple of guys to keep your eye out. Um, I know – uh, Dalvin Cook is is getting drafted pretty high. You know he is returning from an ACL injury. He's running behind a not so good Minnesota O line. They just committed eighty million guaranteed to their passer. So certain things like that would scare me. Um, you know, so you got to be a little more uh, you know aware of that. Uh, I saw who was it? Uh, Tyree Kill was drafted a lot higher than I had him. You know, going so. He's another player that people seem to be reaching for, uh, him and Kareem Hunt. You know, it is an exciting offense, but you got to understand that it uh, looks like Kansas City's defense is pretty crappy this year, so they're not going to be, you know, getting off the field as quickly as they did last year and giving the offense more chance to score. So Patrick Mahomes, you know, interception or turnover can really, you know, really change the entirety of the Kansas City's offense and their fantasy production. So just little tidbits I've been noticing, Mike, you know, about players that seem to be, you know, falling a little bit later than I would expect them to go. Do you agree with me that DeAndre Hopkins and Otto Beckham Jr. are the, you know, number two and number three receivers after Antonio Brown? Yeah, it, they're definitely up there. Um, I think well, I'm trying to trying to think of all the receivers, but yeah. Uh, yeah, Julio Jones Brown, is definitely going to be up there. Yeah, um, I'd take Beckham or DeAndre over, over Julio. Julio is like my fourth or fifth receiver. So yeah, definitely Beckham now, especially now that he's gotten paid, I'm sure he he'll, you know, do something with that. Uh, and then Hopkins after the year he had last year was, was quite amazing. And with Deshaun Watson being able to move around and let them just run down the field and get open, I think is going to be very beneficial. So yeah, those guys are definitely top tops. And the cool thing, partner, about Hopkins is that he's quarterback-proof. Uh, last year when he had DeAndre – or, sorry, Deshaun Watson thrown to him, he was the number one wide receiver. And then I think afterwards when he had, you know, the bum Tom Savage thrown to him, he was still ranked the number one receiver. So um, or maybe that, you know, that might not be in PPR leagues. That might be like a close second behind Antonio Brown and some other rankings. But, you know, regardless, you know, whether it's PPR or not, he was a very top-notch uh, wide receiver regardless of the caliber quarterback he was given. Yeah, it, that's a great point. Is can can they who who can they they match up with that that's going to be able to produce? And if they can produce with a great quarterback, or so, supposedly we don't really know yet how great he is, is Deshaun Watson, and we know how bad Tom Savage is. If he can do it with that, then you know he he's definitely like as you said, quarterback proof. You know what's interesting is that the quarterback he couldn't do it with was Trevor Simeon. So how bad can Trevor Simeon be if he's not even as good as Tom Savage? Yeah, that, that poor guy, man. That guy's been bounced around a lot of practice squads, and I think he needs to maybe get into the coaching uh, life. <laughs> yeah, it's something really quick. But he's tall. You know, that that's all, he's tall. Yeah, they love that big hands. And then, you know, a lot of, a lot of throwing arm, they love that for quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah. That, that's why they fell in love with Demarcus Russell because, you know, he could oh throw on goodness. his knees. Yeah, remember he could throw the ball 70 yards from his knees or something like that. Like he threw the ball literally through the uprights, you know, from the opposite 40 or something like that. It was something crazy where he just 
you know, the yeah. 60 yards plus the 10 in the end zone. It was just like, what's this guy's talent? You know, and I was thinking, too, of the late Al Davis and the way, you know, who else did he draft? Darius Hayward Bay, uh, Jamarcus Russell, all these guys, yep. you know, all these, like, you know, boom yep. bust players. They just totally, totally put all the marbles in on their athleticism instead of their, you know, whether it's off-field character issues or just developmental issues uh, as a football player. You know, the Raiders definitely squandered a lot of opportunities, and that's a major reason why they decided to give $100 million to the Monday Night Football commentator to try to have them, you know, revived and brought back to the glory days of when he was last the Raiders coach. Yeah, and you know what's interesting, too, is that they uh, they drafted Darius Harriet Bay over Michael Crabtree. Yeah, they drafted him, I think, like fifth or sixth overall. And the Niners were able to get Crab at like nine, ten, or eleven or so. Maybe set yeah. what it was. But yeah. And and Crabtree, I mean, he was coming out of Texas Tech. He was on fire. That's when Mike Leach was back back Mike Le- Leach Leach, right? Is that his name? Anyway, the coach yeah, at Leach. Wazoo now. Anyway, that's when he was there and he was doing like that freaking air raid, you know, the Texas what was it called? Like the Red Raider Air Raid, whatever it's called. They're just ridiculous. Just you know, their passing game was unreal. So to see Crabtree fall to the Niners, that was Quite uh, quite awesome for me, you know. Even though Crabtree was so close to getting the Super Bowl, couldn't get it, but you know he definitely helped, you know, transform the Niners' offense, and it was a huge uh, complimentary piece to Frank Gore and the O line that we had. Yeah, that that was something. Oh, just came across my wire. Uh, a lot of people probably outside of IDP leagues probably didn't didn't know of him, but T.J. Green, who was the Colts' second round draft choice. Defensive back uh, two years ago, I think, uh, was just cut today. So, oh wow, that was a bad selection, obviously. Um, yeah, <laughs> they get cut. That's what you're not really looking for. So, anyways, that'll do it for our fantasy football freak show. Um, you can find me at RFL Red Zone and Nico. Where can they find you at? You can find me at Nico Segona, N E I K O S. I-G-O-N-A. Thank you so much, partner. I had a great time talking about some football with you. Thank you. I, I definitely feel the same way. And everybody out there, have a great weekend.